I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I'm joined for the first time. He's Mavs Draft on Twitter, covering the NBA Draft, loving the Mavericks. At least, that's what he says now. What you got for me, Richard? Well, I'm trying to get my uh, dog to stay silent. I've given her a set of instructions. <laughs> I've given her some distractions, but I don't know if, I don't know if she'll last the whole episode with uh with being a little bit quiet so we'll see how that goes well between my dog and my my office desk chair i'm sure that the the locked on Mavs, the raccoon squad the listeners they're they're okay with some background noise hopefully because it might be inevitable <laughs> <laughs> all right so on the podcast today we are going to be getting into a couple of second round guys there is three guys that richard uh, by the way he's at mavs draft on twitter if you don't follow him he has some good Draft stuff, good draft coverage, goes out and actually sees some of these guys. So we're going to talk about three guys. Kai Bowman, who's kind of in the news today. Daniel Gafford and Lewis King. So we're going to talk about those guys. Let's start. Let's just start right away. Let's get into it. Kai Bowman. This is your guy. This is your guy, isn't he? Yeah, Kai, actually, like, all three of these guys are my guys. Lewis King's, like, my guy, if you've seen my pinned tweet. uh, Kind of regretting it, but... We'll get to that eventually. But, yeah, Kai Bowman is one of my guys. I've been all over him since last year when I watched Jerome Robinson. I uh, wasn't really a big fan of Jerome Robinson. I really liked Kai Bowman. And then he withdrew from the draft, forgot about him really until, you know, a few months ago. And, uh, yeah, he just came back, impressed a lot. He, obviously, his numbers fell off a little bit. He played with less than G League talent just all around right. him. But he does everything at a high level. He's a great athlete. He's long. He played football in high school, too. He had to decide between basketball and football, so he's got that bulldog mentality. He's one of the best low-post defenders for any of the guards in the class. Uh, runs a mean pick-and-roll. Yeah, he's got a good jump shot. He's going to be a good defender, so he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none to some extent. So, Kai Bowman, you mentioned the Jerome Robinson because of the Boston College connection. Went to, went to Boston College. He's six foot two. He's 181 pounds. He's a six seven wingspan. He's going to be 21 at the time of the draft. Uh, went to Boston College, obviously. Strengths, like you said, these are some of the things that that stood out on the ringer and ESPN and stuff like that. Athletic, like you said, scoring, can finish around the basket. He's a streaky shooter. Uh, He's a ball handler, can change speeds. Uh, Weaknesses, he got a ton of usage in college, like like you kind of mentioned. He was playing next to some other guys in the beginning of his college career, and then this past year is just kind of him. And then defense. Defense is something that that he struggles with. And I want to go straight to the availability because (laughs) – under availability, I just put unknown because he's not listed on the Ringer Top 60. He's not listed on the ESPN Top 60, any of their mock drafts, anything like that. Why Why Kai Bowman and why should he be rising up some of these draft boards that he's not even on right now? Yeah, so I think a lot of it starts with his combine, the whole measuring well. Uh, the six seven wingspan was a big surprise for a lot of people, and he, pra- he played pretty well in the five-on-five games as well. That was a big – that was really the start of it. Um, but – I know some people close to Kai, and they've told me, you know, look for him potentially even to go as early as the very late first round. 
Um, the mocks have just been all over the place. I'm still not sure what to believe because really after like 10, it's anything goes. So I think he'll be there at 37. I think ultimately that's the sign. And I apologize. There goes my dog. Um, but I think availability, I think he's there. Um, I think a lot of it just has to do with he's a really good workout player. I think that's a really important aspect of his game is he's just he's a good athlete. So he looks great in an open court. And that's going to help him rise in the draft. So he's getting told that he could go in the early first round. Uh, to me, right now at this time, especially right now, like this, you know, what is it? What are we, like 10 days before the draft? Uh, like close to that, maybe two weeks. There's just so much information going around that I just don't believe any of it at this point. <laughs> you know, like if there's information that comes out right after the the lottery, maybe I believe that because it's just kind of obvious. Zion going to the the Grizzlies, you have John Morant going to the, or uh, Zion going to the Pelicans, John Morant going to the Grizzlies, just like the obvious things, maybe RJ Barrett. But then as we get down and even, especially in this draft, Isaac and I have been saying this this whole time that 20 to like 40 is just all this, like there's so many guys that could go in so many different directions, just could go super high, could go super low. But this guy not being ranked in either of these like pretty reputable mock drafts to being drafted is it's interesting to me. So why should the Mavs use a pick on him if they could potentially get him undrafted? It's a good point. Um, I think it's more about just the connection to him, whether how he interviews. We don't know, you know, any of how he interviews or anything like that. Um, personally, I think he's one of the more talented players just in the draft just because of how much bigger he plays than himself. He plays a really unique role. He was a one-man show at Boston College. Uh, ultimately, you just draft him because I think he's going to be one of the better talents available there. Um, just be able to, you know, even though he's a point guard and I know plenty of Mavs fans do not want another point guard, but if you think about it outside of Jalen Brunson, if you count Luca as a point guard, um, really those are the only two point guards on the team, uh, after probably next year or two years from now. So if you have a good, you know, three man, three guard lineup, like the Mavs are probably going to end up running again. You have some really good talent out there in the backcourt with, Brunson, Bowman, and Luca. assuming, you know, no major moves or anything like that. So I like just having him as a talent, and I think Carlisle could work really well with him. Interesting. It is a good point about, about point guards, too. And J.J. Barea is coming off an Achilles. I mean, I I find myself even just penciling him in, just saying, all right, J.J.'s going to be back, and he's going to be his, you know, normal J.J., even maybe by the start of the season or even, you know, one month in. But it could take him a while. I mean, it could take him a while to, to finally get back into form. We've seen – Wes Matthews tried to get back into form from that kind of injury. Uh, now, obviously, the the big news is Kevin Durant right now. But adding another point guard is probably something that they should do. But to me, I don't know if this is the type of guy <laughs> that, that I would want as that kind of guy because I don't see him as a guy that can, you know, become an NBA starter. Just from what I'm reading and seeing and everything that I've, I've looked at from him, do you think that he could eventually become a starter or do you think that he's just – would be a really, really good backup kind of guy. I'm kind of in the middle. I think he'd be ultimately like a really good rotation piece, which as we've seen, those kind of end up being the most important players a lot of times on the Mavs rosters. Uh, you know, we've seen Brandon Wright. Obviously, he's a front court player, but I mean, J.J. Barea, he's a, just, he's a rotation guy. And uh, Carlisle just works really well with those guys who know their role and he can get them the max, max uh, I'm sorry, the max talent out of them in minimum roles 
That is true. He can do that, and especially with guards. We've seen Yogi. We've seen Seth Curry come in and be, you know, really good. We've obviously just seen Jalen Brunson and J.J. Barea for years, and he went away to Minnesota, and he wasn't as good, and he came back, and, and here he is, you know, doing his thing again. Carlisle just has an affinity for guys like this, and I wouldn't be surprised uh, if, if we saw his name maybe in an uh, maybe in an undrafted, like bringing him in undrafted, but I don't know about getting drafted 37th overall. I don't know if you've convinced me yet. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I I didn't make a strong enough pitch, I suppose. <laughs> not yet, not yet. Um, okay, so what do you think his NBA comp is? If he had to do some kind of um, you know comparison, or like Ringer does the shades of kind of thing, where it's not just a complete comp, or he's not exactly like this player, but he has different styles or traits maybe that some of these guys have. And obviously, again, you know, we mentioned this, and I want to mention this again for you know Richard being a guest. We we don't expect this player to become that player so if you're like okay he can be like chris paul we're not saying that he's going to be you know the point god like one of the best point cards in nba history we're just saying that his style is like that and if all of his traits max out at his highest potential maybe he can become sort of like chris paul so what is a maybe a comparison or some shades of these in his game so i'm gonna throw it back real quick on what i think is kind of medium low end is uh and it's kind of i'm really high on kai bowman in case you can tell so just get your pitchforks out because both are pretty high uh for the floor i'm I actually, not sure how many kai bowman like <laughs> anti-truthers there are listen to this podcast I true wonder how true, many are just but, being introduced to him for the first time like i was when you brought his name up true i i'm very conservative generally <laughs> with um with player comparisons so my floor end, my lower end you know i put Bobby Jackson, he kind of reminds me of him. Uh, that kind of assumes that his jump shot will fall a little bit more. And at the high end, I I think he plays a lot like Kyle Lowry. I see the bulldog mentality, you know, undersized. He takes those charges, you know, he does all the dirty work. What's the butt like? <laughs> uh, no comment <laughs> on that one. <laughs> That's become more of a thing. People were making fun of me when I, when I mentioned that. Man, that was like months ago that I was talking about Kyle Lowry. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's been a meme now with the picture of him in the locker room. When <laughs> oh man, that's great. Um, okay. So let's just finish with why the Mavs should take him and why the Mavs shouldn't take him. So we'll start with you. Why should the Mavs take Kai Bowman at 37 and take another small point guard? Well, I think he's different as a small point guard, you know, with the long arms, he's able to get his shot off. He's a really good creator. He creates for both himself and others. He can run the pick and roll. He can play big on defense. He still has some areas to go on that end. Uh, if his jump shot falls, you're looking at one of the best backup point guards in the league. Ooh, interesting. Inter- okay, then why shouldn't they take him? It depend- Okay, so if his jump shot doesn't fall, you are looking at a liability uh, offensively. He doesn't have a very quick first step. We'll see how his shot selection translates to the NBA. You know, Being a one-man show, your, so- your shot selection is going to look pretty bad at times. Um, but yeah, the undersized aspect could end up biting him. Those would be several reasons why I could see, you know, him not panning out. Yeah. And again, I think I'm just going to, I'm going to go with, this is a guy that we could see go undrafted and maybe be added. And the maps have been really good with adding undrafted guys. So maybe they bring him in and they're apparently they're bringing him in for a workout. And then they're like, Hey, this is a good guy. Let's keep it this under wraps like they do. And they try not to, they don't publicize any of their, their draft workouts or anything like that. So we just have to go by some reports and see which ones we trust or which ones we don't. So maybe we'll see Kai Bowman in the future. An interesting look, an interesting guy to maybe watch out for. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're talking about Daniel Gaffer from Arkansas. But before we do, Richard, 
Have you downloaded the new Himalaya app and followed Locked On Mavs? I have. Okay, I was about to I was about to hang up on you. Just straight up finish the podcast by myself and <laughs> hang up on you. The new Himalaya app is the uh, is a, a good way to introduce yourself to podcasts. They have this uh, discovery section. You can find all kinds of different um, podcasts. They have top charts, trending now. They have different categories, comedy, education, health, history, music, obviously sports, all kinds of categories. And you just click one and you're like, boom, all of a sudden. They even have a, a category called podcasting. It's just talking about podcasting. All, all kinds of different podcasts about podcasts, I guess. Um, but right now, we are trying to pass... Lockdown NBA. Currently, right now, in all the Lockdown podcasts, that's all the national podcasts for Lockdown, all the NFL, NBA, MLB, college, all that kind of stuff. We are number two in Himalaya follows of all of all the Lockdown. Uh, we are right behind Lockdown NBA right now. We are 102 follows right behind Lockdown NBA. So I know there are 102 of you out there that have uh, not downloaded this yet and can do so. And I also promised a while ago that I would read some of these comments out if you went and commented on Himalaya. So I'm going to do that now. Brandy said, thanks for the pods. Y'all are awesome. Ryan says, hey, guys, big fan of the show. Keep up the great work. Would love to get an on-air shout-out to my brother, Nathan. Shout-out to Nathan Jones, if that's your real brother. Recommend the pod to him, and now he's an avid listener as well. We live in different cities, so it has been a great way for us to bond, keep close. I'm glad you guys are bonding over me and Isaac just saying random things to each other. Jacob, hi, Nick and Isaac. Love this podcast. Been listening since Dennis's rookie year. Question: Do you guys like The Office or Parks and Rec, and which one is better? Oh, this one just cuts straight to my core. Richard, have you watched either of The Office or Parks and Rec? Dude, it's The Office. It's not close. Parks and Rec is an incredible show, though, and it ended when it needed to. The Office did all those seasons without Michael, and and in my opinion, kind of ruined it a little. I'm gonna go Parks and Rec. I just love it. We got we got incredible people from that show we got Aubrey Plaza from that show we got Chris Pratt from that show who became they even weaved in like reality so Chris Pratt goes out and he becomes Star-Lord and he comes back and he has lost like 50 pounds and there's this scene where he's walking up these steps in the the Capitol and or in the uh, the state house or whatever the courthouse or wherever they work and (laughs) Ben Wyatt looks at him and goes so you just cut out beer? He's like, yeah, I lost 50 pounds over the summer. Just cut out beer out of my diet. He goes, how much beer were you drinking? <laughs> just a great joke that, that weaves in uh, real life. Continuing on some of these, uh, Jordan says, download the pod from every platform just to show the support. Thanks as always, guys. Isn't just the fact to push the pod to the top of the chart. It's our host. We get listens to every day that keep us coming back. Jordan, thanks for coming back. Uh uh, does Mike Fisher have Kemba Walker's face tattooed to the inside of his eyelids? I don't think he's coming here, but Fish seems to think it will. he can will it into existence. Exclusive, exclusive, he's not. Uh, shout out to that guy. Connor, been listening to you guys since the time we drafted Dennis. We've come a long way. Thanks for being consistent and always giving us something to listen to. Vince Carter over Dwayne Wade. Michael says, hi, guys, from, from Ireland. Shout out to Ireland. Y'all talked me into Himalaya. Where do you think Dallas ranks in terms of draw for free agents? This is an interesting one. So in terms of draw, man, the Kevin Durant thing changes this all now too. He sent this five days ago, and so I wonder what it's like now. But um, the Mavericks probably, they're probably decently high, but they're also, I don't think any of the major free agents look at Dallas and are like, if they want to go to a playoff team, they don't consider Dallas. Something that kind of knocks off some of the names. Colin says, great pod. Love the work you guys do. I love longer pods, so talk away. And we do. We always do. 
Caden said top two pod on my phone and it's not number two. Shout out Caden and Bryce. Shout out to Caden and Bryce for being the number one podcast. Um, Aaron says, keep the 40 plus minute episodes coming. Give me long-term peace. Beverly Russell to put next to Luca over the short term uh, of over, I guess over draw to get just what he wanted to say. So there you go. That's a bunch of Himalaya comments and you should go download Himalaya. I'll read your comments. If you follow us and comment on an episode, let's take a break. And when we come back, Daniel Gafford. All right, Isaac. I mean, Richard, let us continue with Daniel Gafford, the six foot 10 center, 237 pounds with a seven, two wingspan. He's going to be almost 21 at the time of the draft from Arkansas. The ringers one sentence description, an unheralded high school prospect who has emerged as an ideal high energy center. What are some strengths that Daniel Gafford has that the Mavericks should look for? Yeah, so that was a pretty good summary. His energy is really good when it's on. Um, he's an explosive athlete. He's a really good rebounder, excellent in the pick and roll offensively. He runs the floor well. He can recover really well on defense, and he has some really threatening closeouts. Those are a lot of the strengths I have on him. And then maybe some of the weaknesses. What is something that he is uh, he maybe struggles with? Yeah, so uh, if you kind of paid attention to some of that wording, so his motor comes and goes. <laughs> the opposite of the things he just said. Yeah, <laughs> his, his motor is really inconsistent. Same with his discipline. He chases blocks uh, quite often, uh, especially on the perimeter. It burns him. Um, and in, speaking of the perimeter, he doesn't move too well on defense. Like I said, he recovers well, but he doesn't move well. Um, and he really needs to continue adding strength. Yeah, for sure. But uh, but 237, that's not like a Nerlens Noel 206 kind of situation, which that still is just wild to me. Like looking back and thinking that Nerlens was 206, that's crazy. That just doesn't even make sense to me. Um, wasn't Porzingis heavier too coming out of call, or coming out of Latvia? Like wasn't he even more? Which and he looked like a stick. Yeah, well, he had a couple inches on him too, so he had that extra, you know, wherever that weight goes. <laughs> um, as far as availability. The ringer has him at 46 currently and ESPN, the draft express guys have him at 40. So he's definitely as far as they're concerned, going to be available for the Mavericks. Um, like you said, a rim running kind of guy. He has, he's high energy. Um, what do you think is a ceiling and floor? Where do, where do you think Daniel Gafford eventually pans out? So I, first of all, hadn't heard about the ringers. I hadn't seen the ringers mock yet, but 46 is, uh, I feel like that's really low. Um, I think really his floor is kind of, do you want like an NBA comparison now? You ready for that? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So I think really his floor just as a role, um, it comes down to really how effective are his build, you know, like last year yeah. he probably goes first round, no doubt. Um, but you know, the NBA changes quite a bit and his skill set may be getting frozen out. So that could get him out of the league. My floor is really actually, you brought up his name. I uh, hadn't told Nick, who I was going to use as his comparison, but Dallas Nerlens Noel, I think, is the worst case scenario, which is kind of concerning. Um, for the upside, I see a lot of Atlanta Dwight Howard. That's who I put as his upside for that. And that's kind of just, you know, really good <laughs> defender. Uh, accidentally oh, takes man. a couple mid range jump shots, you know. Has some off the court situations. Oh, yeah, yeah. Minus, minus that aspect, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, like I said, Atlanta, not Washington. The Nerlens <laughs> Noel comparison, like you, you said, it's a bad comparison. Like you know, it's kind of a concerning comparison. But if he has those kind of skills, like he's a like Nerlens was the number one player coming out of high school, right? Like he was supposed to be this really high, he was going to be the number one player in the draft, but he just had those injuries in college and that kind of just held him out of it. But he was a guy that that should have been 
the perfect center for this this era, right? I mean, he didn't have he doesn't have a three point shot, didn't have a jump shot then, but he is a guy that can switch out on guys. He's a guy that can you know uh, help on defense. Obviously, he can't really take a guy one on one, which is concerning. But he should be a guy that is, is really great. And all the things that we loved Nerlens Noel when we got him. I mean, if he was a little bit stronger, I feel like, and if he complied with Carlisle, <laughs> obviously that was probably the biggest the biggest weakness. But if he complied with Carlisle and put on some more strength. Then we're talking about a, a different, you know, kind of guy. Remember, what was it? Donnie Nelson that said that he was a, you know, Tyson Chandler starter kit. I mean, yep. <laughs> how far removed oh, are man. we from that? <laughs> Don't feel like we're that far removed. That hurts to that hurts to hear again. <laughs> not gonna lie, I'm not gonna believe any time Donnie Nelson compares anybody to to anything because after after that season where he compared Andrew Bogut to Arvina Sabonis and he compared Nerlens Noel to a to a Tyson Chandler starter kit, I just I don't believe anything he says now. Yeah, there's reason for skepticism with those. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, so he's like a de- defensive center. How do you think that he'll defend? You know, maybe if he gets switched out onto guards, he'd probably be a liability to some extent. Where DeAndre was a little bit of one. Yeah, um, I think you'd kind of see the same issues with that, where you can kind of easily blow by him. Uh, he's most effective in the paint. That's where you know all his calling card is both ends is really just as close to the basket as possible. That's where yeah. he's at his best. Which those guys aren't completely out. I mean, we, we've seen guys survive no, still. And, I mean, Clint Capella just got a massive contract recently. So, And I think it helps that a lot of times the teams that win the finals, I hope this doesn't burn me, but like assuming the Raptors win the finals, we're going to see a change in how teams build. Um, obviously, you know, it's not going to be like the Warriors where they don't need a center at all. I mean, the Raptors centers Marcus all obviously nowhere near the same as – Dan Gafford or anything like that, but center could be coming back with importance, you know? So someone like him could easily come back just as easily as he fell out. Yeah. But I think if, if we're going to look at the Raptors centers and I know you're not comparing that, him to them, but you look at two guys in, in Ibaka and in Gasol that can shoot threes, uh, Gasol, an incredible passer and just smart guys on defense that can protect the rim. And you have to have, you have to be able to protect the rim if you're a center at this point. <laughs> I mean, if yep. you're going to be a center, yeah. you don't protect the rim. That's why I'm kind of concerned about Dwight Powell being the map starting center. At least you have Borzingis, and maybe he's the defensive five. But that's where you kind of get you kind of get stuck as a Mavs fan. You're like, man, well, our center doesn't really do a lot of things that you really want a center to do <laughs> if it's going to be Dwight Powell. Um, so you talked about NBA comp a little bit already. Uh, the Ringer has shades of Clint Capella, Willie Colley Stein, Javale McGee. Do you have any disagreements with any of those? No, those are actually those are pretty good too. Those are pretty good comparisons. Um, and then let's just finish this off with why the Mavs should take him. Why do you think that Daniel Gafford should be a pick that the Mavs make knowing that they're going to pay Dwight Powell some more money? <laughs> well, I think you look at how the Mavs use a lot of their bigs in the pick and roll and Gafford's forte really on offense lies in the pick and roll. So you have someone who could be a really high level role man, uh, you know, rim runner on both ends depending on how valuable that is off the bench. Um, like Nick, do you think, like I, I'm genuinely curious, do you think having, do you think needing a jump shot from your center is as important off the bench or do you think that matters significantly more for the starter? You have to, I think you have to have a starter that can do that. Uh, or at least okay, you have so, to have, you have to have a high end guy on, on your team that can do that. So, I mean, Ibaka doesn't start for them, but he can come in off the bench. And if you have that guy, then all of a sudden your bench, you know, you have that guy on your bench forever, but, if he can't hit a three, then he's eventually going to be taken out of your playoff lineup. But we're talking about the final, 
you know, two rounds of the playoffs. If you're talking about a full season, then no, like you, you don't have to have a guy like that. Yeah. So that's, I, I'm pretty much identical stance. So I think really you're swinging for the fences at 37, which is a pretty fair point. I think to start swinging, especially because I have Gafford as a first round pick. So really you're just taking a chance. I mean, you need a center if you're the Mavs. It helps with rebounding. He's a really good athlete. Pick and roll, those are why I'd be taking him. And then why the Mavs shouldn't take him, uh, just probably the case that we just kind of made about how he can't shoot a three, he can't uh, defend guards on the perimeter. So those two things that, that we haven't asked centers to do for, I mean, decades. <laughs> and all of a sudden now it's just a thing that, that we ask centers to do. And if you want to go really far in the playoffs, you have to have a guy like that. So at the top end, he wouldn't. He wouldn't max out as a guy that you could start probably on a on a deep playoff team, which the Mavs intend to be. Um, so that's probably why you don't draft him if you are expecting that. But if you're not expecting a high-end starter and you just want a guy to come off the bench, then then yeah, everything you just said about why they should take him. Am I right about that? Yeah, yeah. And and another thing, just adding on to the concern, I mean, I did use Narland's Noel as a comparison. That is also <laughs> a giant flag. So. Well, hopefully – Hopefully he doesn't like hot dogs as much as Nerlens. Yeah, maybe he's more of a hamburger guy. Who knows? Ooh, interesting. All right, let's take another break. And when we come back, we'll finish this off. We'll go with Lewis King. All right, Richard. So, Lewis King, this is your actual guy. Like, this is your – you stand for him as, you know, like people st- stand for, you know, Daenerys Targaryen. I mean, you just – you stand for him. If you could create a subreddit and it's just Lewis King, like you would, you would be a mod in that subreddit. I mean, I'm not going to confirm nor deny this. <laughs> Lewis King, he's a six eight wing, uh, 195 pounds, seven foot wingspan from Oregon. The Ringers one sentence, you know, bio on him: modern wing with inevitable uh, and enviable height. Wow, I can read height, length, athleticism, and knockdown shooting ability though his defensive effort and fundamentals must improve. Yeah, that's that's pretty spot on. Um, and also just noting he missed the first, I think, 10 games of the season, which is about a month and a half. Um, so he missed almost all conference play, and that was when Oregon, you know, they had a lot of nationally televised games. They were playing some high-end teams. So he missed out on a lot of that, which automatically put him at a disadvantage uh, just heading into the draft. But he has... For strengths, he has, you know, an almost identical frame to Cam Reddish, who everyone has been in love with his frame and what he's done in workouts. Not as fluid of an athlete, but he can get up really quick. He has a really good jump shot, a really perfect-looking jump shot to me. Um, and he's a good rebounder, and he moves well laterally. Uh, on defense, obviously, you know, they said it. he needs to improve on that end. What do you think are the differences between him and Cam Reddish? Um, <laughs> like, besides like the fluid athleticism you just said, because it, it sounds, I mean, the, the tools are there for him to be like the same kind of guy. Like if, if Lewis King is better than Cam Reddish, would you be surprised? No, I mean, I have Cam Reddish, I think seven spots lower than Lewis King on my board. Uh, personally, I'm, I believe that what we saw in, from Duke, uh, in, in Cam Reddish, I think that's kind of true to form, not really high on him at all. You know, the stats are the stats fail. Uh, for the eye test, I didn't like anything I really saw outside of athleticism and defense. Um, but for Lewis King, I think really what separates him, I think it ultimately comes down to the jump shot and how much of a playmaker he could potentially come. Because Cam Reddish is a playmaker, uh, kind of lacks the jump shot, you know, low release and all that. Lewis King has the jump shot. So it just kind of, which one matters more? And I think the jump shot will ultimately be more important. 
I like the has the jump shot. I like that. I like when I like when players have the jump shot because I hate when we draft when the Mavs draft players or when you are evaluating players. You're like, yeah, okay, so he has all the things but a jump shot. You're like, oh come on, <laughs> just the one thing. I feel like Isaac and I always say, well, his one weakness is we wish his jump shot was better. And you're like, oh come on, <laughs> it's like the one thing that you really really need in today's NBA, especially if you're gonna be six eight. Um, some weaknesses. What are what are some things that you look at and you're like, okay, maybe this is a little Cam Reddishy, or maybe this is something that he would struggle with in the NBA? Yeah, so I was really surprised to see this at the combine, but he only had like a 33-inch vertical, which for a guy who – he has good athleticism. It just wasn't a high vertical. That was kind of surprising. Um, but he also needs to just slow down the game. He's still maturing, uh, letting the game kind of come to him. Uh, I've heard a little bit of maturity issues regarding him, so that's something that may be a flag. We're not really sure, though, because Oregon – was kind of a mess throughout the year. Uh, and then lastly, the defense the defense is a, an issue. His discipline is terrible. Um, he defends with his hands. He doesn't even defend with his feet. Like It's things like that that you just – he really he has a lot of work to do on that end. And those are the things that Carlisle hates. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you had yeah. to just name one thing. <laughs> we mentioned Nerlens Noel earlier. That was one thing that he just did not like about Nerlens. <laughs> um availability the ringer has him currently at 33 is that higher or lower than you i'm still in the middle i can't decide i don't even think i'll be able to decide on anything even after the draft i'll still be debating myself um but i think ultimately he goes either in the 20s or very early 30s i'm not i'm not confident that he'll be there when the maps pick does that make you very sad kind of sad should i do like a look some kind of scale uh, yeah, do a scale. Let's see what you got. A scale of uh, of Isaac when Vince Carter retired to a scale of when LeBron was injured for me. Oh, man. Uh, that's, that's your scale. God, right in the middle, I guess, because I'd be happy that, like, <laughs> I'd be happy that my guy's getting the first round pick, you know, but I'd also be really happy mm. if he's taking, like, if he's available for the Mavs. So I guess right in the middle, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying so to think the, of a reasonable comparison. <laughs> so since this is your guy, where do you see the best fit for him? Like what what kind of team would you want him to go on? Like a Hawks kind of team where he's got a point guard and you know like a big to play off of or what kind of team? I uh, I actually like having a big to play off of. So I like I like Philadelphia a lot if they can address hmm. their point guard issue, having him just be a spot-up shooter early on and you know running in transition. They were one of the slowest teams in the country. I think they were the slowest tournament team. Um so kind of having that guy who can just run and shoot off the wings is really helpful. Uh, I think they'd, he'd be helped by Embiid too because he has someone just to completely make up for all of his defensive shortcomings. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sixers at twenty four there could be could be a possibility. That'd be a little high though. I feel like, but not for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, that's probably really where I see his earliest possibility coming is Philadelphia at twenty four. Okay, so I think this is one of the first ones that I want to actually do future role slash roster impact. Uh, if the Mavericks end up taking Lewis King with at thirty seven, let's say he drops to that that spot, and they take him, what do you think that does for like a Justin Jackson or a Dorian Finney Smith? I think I think it makes Justin Jackson expandable. Um, expandable or expendable? expendable. Those sorry, very, expendable. Those are very I different. Words. Expendable. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm like thinking way ahead. No, more expendable. He uh, so. Finney Smith, I'm still on the fence if I even believe he's coming back or not, just based off like his exit interview and everything. Um, assuming let's just go with both of them are gone. Uh, or I'm sorry, Finney Smith is gone since he's a free agent. Sure. 
it definitely hurts Justin Jackson's chances long term, I would think. Um, just because King can play really the two, three, or four in any lineup. Hmm. Uh, I can't really say confidently, you know, that Justin Jackson can play the four. So that's something that's a big impact on that front. What makes you think that Lewis King can play four in the NBA? Like what just the size. I mean between? seven foot wingspan. Um, I mean, he has the tools at least to be able to play the four. You know, he's quick enough. He's long, um, decent athleticism. He can at least hang on a, like on a stretch four kind of guy. All right. And then, uh, why the map should take him, why the map shouldn't take him. So four, um, I think he's got a lot of upside the same way. You know, if you think Cam Reddish has upside, you have to think that Lewis King has upside. <laughs> uh, I think, I mean, they have almost identical measurables. You know, he was better performer in college. Uh, has a more NBA ready jump shot. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, I think that's really the biggest thing with him is upside and getting, you know, a position of need long-term the Mavs wings, you know, outside of Luca. Um, if you consider him a wing, I guess, which I do, he, uh, I mean, there's really not many wings on this roster long-term. Right. And so for me, if you, you take that question, go back to the roster impact, I think you just keep all, all three of those guys. I mean, you can play Dorian at four, you can play Dorian at two, you can play Justin at, you know, three or two, maybe even four, depending on who the other four is. Cause it just really depends yeah. at this point. And then Lewis King, like you're saying, maybe he can play all, all three of those positions. So you can, you can play all the three of those guys together. I mean, if you have Luca and Porzingis out there <laughs> you're, you're just trying something and be interesting to see who guards who. And then if there's some quicker guards out there, who ends up taking them, but Dorian can hold his own against some point guards. Depends what kind of lineup, but what do you think about that and, and having all those guys and start and playing them all at the same time? Would this be the new generation of the three guard lineup? It'd be the three three wing lineup. I'd be. I know, like it actually. I think did. we all I mean, hope so. It's a, it's a common thing, like that happens in the NBA. But something like that would be outstanding to see. Where it's just Luca, three wings, and Porzingis. That would be honestly incredible to have, like three capable wings. Because the Mavs did the three wings that just weren't all, you know, always, uh, you know, the best lineup out there. And yet somehow it will be. Porzingis and another center plus Luca <laughs> plus two small guards at the same time. Yeah. And that's just what we're going to see the entire season. And somehow it, it'll turn into wins, but we won't be happy about it. And that's just, <laughs> that's just the way it seems to go. Okay. So for you, the Lewis King guy, you're, you're, you stand for him. Why shouldn't the Mavs take him? They're at 37. He falls into their lap. What would, what would convince them not to take him? I think it comes down to maturity. I'm sure that they've had their guys the same way they did with Dennis Smith Jr., obviously not to the same scale because it's a second-round pick, uh, the same way they had everyone you know, studying his personality and everything like that. Uh, really, I think that's going to be what makes or breaks his draft chances. That's what's going to make or break a slide for him is, is, he, is the rumors about him being immature, are those all true? Uh, is the motor an issue, anything like that? Interesting. There you go. That's Lewis King, Daniel Gafford, Kai Bowman. Richard, he's at Mavs Draft on Twitter if you want to go follow him. Uh, anything else you want to plug? Uh, not right now. I mean, I'm just pulling out a bunch of these scouting reports. So I'm actually about to post uh, the Kai Bowman one. By the time it comes, this episode comes out, actually, tomorrow, you'll see it. Uh, a lot of good stuff. He did work out with the Mavs today, Kai Bowman. Um, or I guess yesterday. I'm sorry. So, yeah, looking forward to this draft, though. It's going to be an absolute madhouse. And they can find your, your scouting reports on, what is it, MavsDraft.com? Correct, yeah. There you go, MavsDraft.com, at MavsDraft. Richard, thanks so much for joining on the podcast. Guys, thanks for listening to Locked On Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Oh, shit. My bad. <laughs>